0: Getting the early numbers could be the key to success when betting on the NFL. That's why we're here to react to the pinnacle openers and analyse where the market might move. Welcome to the opening line. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the opening line. Playoff football continues this weekend as we move on from the wild card round and onto the divisional matchups. With me once again are our three esteemed NFL betting experts. We've got Eric Eager, Andy Molitor, and Rufus Peabody. Thanks for joining me again today, guys. And we'll we'll get started with some some key takeaways from the weekend. Um I know as as we kind of talked as the season has gone on, playoff football, you, you probably haven't had as much action down. So maybe there hasn't been too much impact from a from a betting perspective. But if we go sort of round to to each of you maybe some some tops and flops Some some sort of who's impressed you the most and and maybe who's disappointed um andy i'll start with you
1: i mean coaching in general probably disappointed me just the amount of times you saw twitter just melt down over a punt like it it used to be just a few analytics accounts but just like melt and and now now it just fills up like when when some of this so i mean that was a uh, we it like cheers? Remember cheers and jeers from TV guide way back in the day? Like that would be my jeer. That, I was really down <laughs> on coaching in general and, and good coach. A lot of good coaches advanced weird. I don't understand how this works. So uh, I was impressed with, you know, a, a couple of the teams, but no nobody was, nobody came and blew me away. Like, you know, the Browns were given some gifts. Uh, the Ravens struggled at times and they're going to face another p- tough pass defense. You know, of all the teams that advanced, maybe the fact that the Rams scored 30 points was maybe that was my highlight that that's a lot more than I projected them to score. I thought Seattle would be held uh, lower than they were. That obviously one was a garbage touchdown and probably my other my other takeaway was just how impressed Seattle was with themselves after this season. <laughs> like uh, like you you had a first round exit as a division champ in a game where you barely got the offense moving and you're you were very excited because you scored the most points your franchise has ever scored and wasted another year of Russell Wilson's life. So I, I'm I'm just baffled at how some teams judge themselves after season's end. I <laughs> that's uh, what killed me this week.
0: Eric over to you for your jeers and cheers as as Andy put it.
2: Well you know I think Andy brings up uh, a, a really good point about coaching you look at the eight that are left I think the worst is Bruce Arians, who's probably a decent coach, probably median coach in the NFL at this point. Um, you look, you know, both the Bills and the Ravens are well uh, constructed as far as, you know, I think analytics, but also just the way their teams are built. That's going to be a great game. Um, you know, Tampa versus uh, New Orleans is going to be a really good game. And both one seeds ended up, you know, by virtue of the uh, of one upset uh, are going to end up with easier roads of it um you know than then we projected so I, I don't know i think we kind of lucked out as far as what happened given that now I, i'm fairly certain that baltimore buffalo is going to be a good game and tampa and new orleans is going to be a good game um whereas you know somebody yeah you know, i think you know we got some of this sort of like crappier teams to watch out of the playoffs in pittsburgh and seattle
0: last but not least rufus
2: um my biggest
3: gear, i guess is going to go to pittsburgh they i mean they I, – I was – we had some people over for dinner, and I look up, and it's like, you know, first snap. I'm like, wait, what just happened? How did the Browns score a touchdown? And then, you know, 20 minutes later, it's 28-0, and, and it, was, it was such an unusual game. Um, but – and then, obviously, I don't – like the coaching was just atrocious in certain situations. I mean, I think maybe Sean Payton got a little too much hate for his poor decision-making uh, simply because, I mean, he – I think he thought, like, the only way we lose this game right now with the way our defense is playing is if we somehow make some – like, if we keep them in it, make a mistake. Um, and so I think he was potentially – I'm not saying it's the right move, but going with sort of the lower variance um, lower variance mindset there, um, just knowing he has – I mean, knowing that he is going to win that game essentially without, without making any big mistakes. But um, you have to – I'm supposed to come up with some cheers. Like it was, it was what, 12, how many, I gotta do some math. 18 hours of football, more than that, like 20 hours of football basically. So um, I I basically was on my couch all weekend and it was fantastic.
2: The, do you think, do you guys think that the Buffalo-Indianapolis game played into the rest of the way the weekend was played? Because I feel like Indianapolis got skewered for going for that fourth down um, instead of quote taking the points when they were up three at the end of the first half, and then you know they went for two and didn't make it either, and you know the in you know the the cognizia was like, hey, uh, you know if you get those points, you're ahead at the end of this game. When in reality, like you know, I think that what they did, which was to sort of shrink variance down in terms of decision making at the beginning of the game as opposed to the end of the game, was obviously really smart. But since they lost, maybe maybe some of the teams in the league. Or, you know, around the rest of the league, sort of like buttoned up a little bit.
1: That's yeah. the thing about decision making. It's the same as, it's the same as what we're doing with these games. Like, if you're if you want to be completely results oriented, yeah, it's gonna you're gonna have a bad time looking back at things. You see that with like Pete when Pete Carroll would go for a fourth down and not get it, in the next scenario he kicks the field goal because he's results oriented, and that's what like when when the I think Pittsburgh had two punts that were. Yeah. Questionable. And and, and the one, the one they pinned him and uh, Cleveland went three and out. And I'm like, that's the worst thing for Tomlin is for that to work. Like the fact that it works, he's going to do it again. Like seeing those results flesh out in your advantage. When you made a bad decision, rewarding a bad decision like that, it's it's the worst thing for your team later on in the game. Just, you know, confirmation bias on your part.
3: And if you look at last year and the Ravens going for it, I mean, Look at their success rate on fourth down. They were, I think they missed one fourth down conversion all year back in 20, the 2019 season. And so it was so easy for them to continue going for it. And people have been saying, why aren't they, they haven't, Eric, am I right in saying they haven't gone for it as much this season?
2: Yeah, they, they haven't had, a new, they haven't been as successful and they haven't gone as much. There have been a few cases um, where they didn't, although they they did go that one time up seven, right? The pass interference. No, up, was it four? I can't remember, but oh, yeah,
3: they had that. It was the penalty. There was the, the offensive pass interference, and they, then they kicked the
2: field goal. Right. So they there was the juxtaposition of the Titans punting on fourth and two from the Ravens forty, um, and then the Ravens driving the length of the field and going for it on fourth and two, picking it up, but then getting it called back and having to kick a field goal um, okay. in succession. It sort of showed the difference between those two franchises.
3: Well, maybe it was outcome bias in response to Justin Tucker missing a field goal. They are like, oh, this isn't automatic. Maybe the analytics says we should actually
0: go for it. I should look, you know. So, Do you, I'd, I'd be interested to, for you guys. Is it kind of just a, a hot topic at the moment? I mean, Andy, you, you hit the nail on the head with Twitter. You, you couldn't escape it over the weekend. Mm-hmm. The amount of prospective coaches, I think, out there sort of commenting on it. And, I mean, me personally, I think um, I would just give a shout-out to Matt Davidale, um, who does some some great work on on his feed and sort of the stuff he puts out from yeah. the – the deck prison model it's not um opinion based i think he actually put some some tangible figures to it but generally speaking do you guys think is it just because it's the playoffs there's there's more sort of of a of a magnifying glass on it or has it really been an issue this season
2: uh, it's been it's actually gotten better i mean people have done the stuff the, i can't remember is michael lopez from the league or ben baldwin from the athletic have done the and you know and teams are going for more fourth and shorts um I think that the when the playoffs come around, the spotlight is is higher. There's also more. I mean, people are betting on sports more, right? People are a little bit more attuned to how much individual decisions matter because it's like if you're a sports better and you bet on a team to win or to cover, like you, that's what you care about. If you're a fan and if you're a coach, frankly, your incentive structure might be different. You might want to stay engaged in the game longer. Well, sometimes that's at odds That's at odds with actually winning the football game. You know, like, you know, in the case of the Titans punting, trying to pin a team deep, maybe that keeps, you know, maybe you think maybe as a coach or, or as a coach, I think what you want to do is if you make a bunch of negative EV situations, but you make them in the same direction as everybody else, maybe you keep your job longer. That's the objective function for them. But for a fan even who's not, Financially invested in a game, maybe it keeps you keeps your hopes up a little bit longer. Whereas you can see, you know, sometimes people are afraid. Uh, for example, of going for two at the at the end of you know, the, there's so much value people place on getting into overtime when overtime is really just a coin flip, and in fact, you know, a, a loaded one in the in the order of the favorite. So, like, I think it's I think sports betting has made it even more. Um, of a of a situation where people are questioning some of these you know long standing decisions that people have made, but it's gotten better league wide. I just think this weekend it took a step back a little bit.
3: I think part of it, is, it, 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 it has gotten it has gotten a lot better over the last few years, and that's why uh, certain decisions last weekend were so sort of alarming and egregiously, you know, yes. and, and why they were such hot topics because we didn't really expect them, especially among playoff teams and coaches who. Well, I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything about P. Carroll, but but Tomlin I consider to be well, I don't know if he uses analytics. He sometimes he does the aggressive thing when he shouldn't, but uh
1: yeah, he, but, he's he's just throwing darts. Like sometimes it looks like he's being analytically, you know, <laughs> driven, but it's it's just he can be aggressive at times. Whereas like I had a little more. Uh, it hurt a little more to see Vrabel. And if you look at like the punt index, the punt cowardly index or whatever it is, like that Vrabel one is in the hundredth percentile. It said, I mean, that, that was completely egregious. And, you know, to your point, it's, it's like the, you know, is you do things according to, how they've always been done. You do things according to common wisdom and how most of the league would react. And, and you're not looked at as making some huge mistake when the game is lost. You You, you didn't, you, they can't pin it down. Like, Oh, you went forward on fourth. They went and scored. You lost the game. Like uh, the, you know, the mob will come for you on that. And, and the the announcers don't help either. Like just the, when people go for two down 14 late and these announcers just have no idea, like, they're, they're all smart enough men where you could show them the charts, spend five minutes with them, and explain how overtime works. But every week you hear these announcers just baffled by this stuff. And then you get the 15-year-old girl on Nickelodeon like, yeah, go for it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like, She's like, yeah, to, uh, be aggressive.
0: Need there's to start no, getting coaches slimed for, for negative yes. plays.
2: There, there's no, there's no uh, coincidence that Chip Kelly, who was one of the more – you know, he made a ton of mistakes, but he also did a lot of things that were, I think, against the grain. There's no, there's no coincidence that he was fired relatively quickly, right? I mean, he went 10 and 6, 10 and 6, and then what was it, like 7 and 8, or 6 and 9, or something like that, and he was canned, you know, the 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 insular group that is the NFL, you bet, if, if you go against the grain, you better be successful, right? And that was um, you know, how influential the Eagles were in 17 when they went for a bunch of fourth downs, but they made them. And and you know, how to Rufus's point of you know how the Ravens in influential situations last year went for fourth down and didn't make it. Like those, you know, that's why we you know, people give us flack on Twitter for rooting for the outcomes. We're not rooting for the outcomes because the outcomes are what we're going after. We're rooting for the outcomes because if they don't happen, that this we're gonna take step back steps back and the game's not gonna be as fun. So um, it, it, it's tough. And, and I, I do think that they're, you know, we're these things are not ergodic. Like they, the, they matter, you know, the sequential aspect of these coaches decisions matter to them more way more than they do to us. So
3: taking that a step further, I mean, look at Doug Peterson getting fired. He went against the grain. He did something that I, I'm sure wasn't his call. It was, I think there was some pressure from the front office he ends up being he ends up being essentially the fall guy for for this backlash against against doing something that is in the best long-term interests of the franchise at least from a wins and losses
1: perspective
3: but um Eric you bring up something interesting too about how you think this makes like analytics makes the game more fun to watch teams going for it more or less kicking which i think is sort of stands in contrast to what you see in baseball where to me yeah. sort of the analytics revolution makes the game much less watchable like I don't strikeouts and walks and home runs like aren't nearly I mean home runs are fun don't get me wrong but but I like watching like bunts and and defenses actually having to make plays and the ball being put in play more often like when you go to a game it's a lot more fun to see the ball like you know actually hit you know so um I just thought that was interesting
0: yeah, I think a lot um, of it's down to narrative as well. And I think this this idea of the, the coaching calls, it just adds another layer into it, doesn't it? It's, it's something for people to, like we said, discuss on Twitter and whatever it might be. And, and perhaps we'll see more education around it. Andy's wish maybe of announcers kind of getting more information or being more educated about the, the impact these calls have. But um, one, one interesting question I had for you guys, just before we move on to the sort of current playoff picture <laughs> and stuff like that is we've we've chatted before and i mentioned at the the top of the show about um maybe the amount of bets that are getting put down has probably been reduced or it is becoming more difficult as we get into the playoffs now for you guys are you are you already looking ahead to something like next season I, a lot of people listening to this will will probably be moving on to the next sport that season kicks off or whatever it might be but but for, for people that invest so much time into it, what's what's it like for you currently? Can you enjoy the playoffs and the Super Bowl or have you already got one eye on sort of next season and and how to, to find advantage there?
2: I mean, I, most of my day today has been working on our models for the draft. Um, you know, that's not necessarily betting. I mean, there's props, of, uh, you know, obviously that you can bet into uh, for the draft. But it is, I mean... The football, like I, I sort of consider January part of the off season from my work perspective, um, just because you're not inundated with, you know, as much as many games and as many things. Um, that, That's a great question. I, you know, I'm a fan of one of the teams that's still in there. So obviously I care about the games, but like and obviously, you know, we have to bet on them and produce content and stuff. But, you know, it is it is like there just isn't there isn't as much value on the board there, Um, you know, I think most of the money from from people is probably being bet, most of the bets, not most of the money. Most of the bets are probably on things like props now, um, as opposed to sides and totals.
1: Yeah, the the props, that's a good segue into kind of what I was going to say, that the markets are fairly tight. It's hard to find a ton of value on these. I mean, the, the price discovery was done two months ago, and... Now we haven't even leased, you know even less of an edge on a lot of these. There, there are some injuries, you know, you're gonna have to track injuries, especially in Cleveland and LA have some big injuries that you have to kind of manage and maybe get ahead of some things if you have some information. But the prop markets are much more robust in a uh, in the playoffs. You can find some soft stuff there if they think if you look around. But it like Eric's point, I've, I've, I I love the NFL. I'm gonna handicap these games. I'm gonna do a bunch of stuff for them. We're gonna still do our podcasts and everything. But I'm I'm not. You Know, I'm gonna be worried if I don't have any bets this weekend outside of some props and maybe a you know, fit, filling up my Tampa Bay teaser. You know, it's it's golf season, it's it, you got uh Sony this weekend, so it's it's time to move on to that. You got college basketball, and pretty soon there'll be other stuff. Even we yeah, had
0: a, a nice segue into Andy. Andy, I think that's a nice segue into Rufus, the discussion yeah. around golf.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's my my weekly process, although my weekly process is basically the same regarding golf every week, except for like two weeks in December where there isn't golf. So because you still have the European tour. So it's basically the same. Um, you know, I was, you know, working getting down stuff this morning, um, send, you know, sending some stuff to, to my guy over, uh, over close to where you are, Ben. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, like NFL is, is more window dressing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's the meat and potatoes. It's the entree. It's, I don't know, whatever this is an awful metaphor here, but for, for, for most people. Um and, and it's and I and I love watching the NFL and I love watching college football too. But at the same time, I know that's not you know, it's it's not the most efficient use of my time to really spend a lot of time on it.
0: All right. Well let's uh let's get back to the the here and now and what, what is going on this season. Um <clears throat> before we do get into the matchups, a quick maybe look at Sort of where we're at in terms of futures. Um, obviously, eight teams left in it. Um, I guess the the question would be if if you could hit reset now and sort of look at the the list that we've got for the outrights. Is there anything there that sort of jumps out to you as a team that might be undervalued or or people are overestimating their chances? Is there is anyone still got any live tickets that they're they're kind of watching along with with interest? What's the the situation for you guys in terms of futures?
2: I have I have a lot of Green Bay. Um, I I thought that they were a little bit uh, undervalued last week Um, and also early. I mean, like they were like twenty six to one or something after week one, when I think, you know, a lot of skepticism, uh, uh, you know, going into the season, the Packers weren't even the favorite in uh, many places. They might have been a favorite in some places like Pinnacle, but they uh, there were a lot of places where they weren't even the favorite to win their own division. Um, and after week one, you could still get them at something like 26 to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, so that I have a decent amount of Green Bay as much as it kills me being from Minnesota. Um, but I, the weird thing is, is now I feel like their path is maybe I don't know. You guys can back me up on this. I think their path is maybe a little harder now, the way that things sh- shook out this past weekend. Um, but I have a little bit there. Obviously, Kansas City, I think, had value early, but not not for the last you know, eight weeks or so. Um, and I think Tampa Bay is a little bit of value going into this week. So
3: I'm, I have, I have, I have futures liability and actually maybe uh, not coinc not wait, not coincidentally, it, it overlaps with my Calcutta liability, but I have saints, saints, futures from early in season. Uh, I have Rams to win their conference and I think just conference. And I have a little bit of bills to win the conference from, from back in October. And I'm, I'm actually I'm just trying to pull up pinnacle uh, numbers. I you know, actually I had a, a discussion with um, David Au actually this, this week about the Saints. He and I have differing opinions on the Saints. Like I ran my Sims and I make basically the Saints the second most likely team um, to win the Super Bowl. And, and he's you know, I have him like 20. I have him like 21 percent. And I know that's like, quote, raw. I mean, I know that's. That that's that's not okay. That's not the number I would use going into a cut. I book action based on that. <laughs> yada yada yada. That's what the model says. Um, the model's obviously has its weaknesses. But um, but you know I was able to get a seven to one actually um, right now, and, and he's convinced he he thinks I do, he thinks I do better parlaying the money line three straight weeks than, than seven to one. And I kind of disagree there. But and I'd be interested to hear you, you, your guys' take there on what you think the line would be. So what, what the line would be against Green Bay next week um, if they play Green Bay or the Rams, if that's the case.
2: So you, you're talking about the Saints? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's
1: their money line today? Like, what are they, minus 175 this week? Minus three. See, So it's minus
3: three juice. Like, what, 61% or so,
2: Novig? Yeah. Yeah, minus 165 on Pinnacle, it, it, so. It,
1: it's so It's so goofy trying to do this. I do this all the time with tennis outrights when you're looking at this with different tournaments and it, it's so tough because you got to look at like, there, there is like a worst case scenario where it's like, Oh, you know, the, the Browns made the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden you really wish you had that seven to one or, you know I, I'm not sure who the lowest, I, I'm guessing that would probably be the lowest in the, out of the AFC, but sure. you know, if they face, if they face green Bay and Kansas city, it's probably close or I'd have to look well, well, at right. the price against green Bay.
2: Like yeah, so green you, Bay? if you problem. assume, Let's say you assume, so let's say you, you, try, if you tried the money line rollover and they're, let's say, three point underdogs, well, I, in I, both, I in, like
1: one and a half. Yeah, Canada, but it, I, I mean, they have
2: to be basically one, I'm trying to do the math right here, 165 or more, minus, you know, plus one, make it 160 or more in both of the subsequent games to make the rollover make sense, which, I you know there there are a ton of like how many sample paths is it where they they win but they come out of it looking worse like I think that that only really happens in the case of like Kansas City right where they let's say they beat the browns by like 3 points then maybe they're cheaper on the money line the following week than they otherwise would be but like for for New Orleans to win this they'd have division, to have an injury yeah, this And that yeah. point
1: you you don't want it.
2: And,
3: and if breeze <laughs> gets injured then they might still be a better team, you know. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. But like they but if you if you assume that they're one -165 this week and then +150 150, 150 against Green Bay, which seems a little steep, but let's go with it. And then +150 to uh Kansas City in the Super Bowl, let's say, then you're still only getting +600 at more or less, right? So yeah. No, no, that's like +900. Is it am I am I making a, an error two yes point I five right error.
1: Things, two point five. what's decimal on? Nine, nine,
3: yeah, yeah
2: you're right you're right I made a I made a, a miscalculation yeah I have
3: nine point nine six percent if you're um, so plus 904 if you're going minus
2: 165 plus 150 plus 150
1: well, let's roll it yeah. over
2: yeah then then that's right actually I forgot I forgot that trailing one here but yeah You'll have to, then, the thing
3: is you still have to consider the possibility that Green Bay Rams, Rams could win, win. It, and, and I have so I, I would have uh, New Orleans seventy-two percent against the Rams, which completely yeah. changes things. And even if you think like there's only a what what does the market have that you know, even if you think there's only a twenty-eight percent chance or something that yeah. the Rams winning this week, I don't even know what the number. Is, if that's, It seems fairly close, uh, yeah. uh, you know, twenty-five percent or something. I mean, that still is enough to affect it. Yeah, I you really
1: I got. Yeah. No, I, mean, I like that.
2: You basically need them. So if you just do like a cube root, right? You just need basically them to be like a pick them, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I I agree with you. I mean, I think that there are outcomes where New Orleans comes out looking. You know, what if there's there are a bunch of play game games in which Green Bay plays L. A. and looks and doesn't look like the best team yeah. in the NFC, but still wins. And New Orleans, you know, let's say they do what they did to this the Bucks the first two times and blow them out 38-3. And then is is the game in Lambeau, pick them the following week? You know?
3: The Saints, I mean, with Michael Thomas and Kamara back, if their offense actually looks more explosive.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah I, I really think that game's going to be like plus 125. I mean, yeah. I think the, I rollover,
2: the rollover numbers make a lot more sense for like, you know, you talked about Washington last week, Rufus, on Twitter. I still think those ones make more sense for the bigger, the huge – the huge underdogs, right? Because, you know, in in the other sense that you could sort of, I don't know, you could also bet them at, you know, against the spread, right? And there are other ways to bet them that don't require them to win the Super Bowl that that I think are just like more positive EV. I completely agree. I think right
3: now you shouldn't be betting futures. You should be, you're almost always going to be better off rolling over the money lines. I, I bet the future in this case, because it was so far off, like it was the best price by you know, I think the best I saw anywhere else was plus six hundred. And so yeah. I felt like I was getting a really good price, um, which essentially negates the fact that that normally the overround, the hold in in a futures market, a multiway market like this, is going to be so much higher
1: plus, you can you can bail. like it, it's much easier to bail. You don't have to buy out of positions. You know the, the opposite yeah. side of that being, let's say that they do make the Super Bowl and something bad happens to the team, you want to bail, you just bail. You you have no, you have no position essentially, mm-hmm. but the opposite would be they make the super bowl. Mahomes rips his knee up in the fourth quarter, the other side. And yeah. you really, you know, that you have both tail risks, I suppose, going into that. Uh, once you, once you get down the road, but I don't know how you can really price that sort of stuff. And I, bet, I, was I didn't before. bet a lot. I didn't bet a lot of conference and super bowl futures this year. And I don't know, maybe you guys can talk, talk me out of what I did. I just, I, f- I felt like I, I had more of an advantage over just staying away from the playoffs. I mean, well, like was... early, early in the season, I just I did division stuff
2: a lot more.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I looked at it like three different weeks during the season, and those are the times when the bets were placed. Like it wasn't a regular thing.
2: Well, there was there was also just a ton of uncertainty. Like to me, the reason I bet Green Bay and and Kansas City is that they depend on way fewer things to happen. Like if the Rams lose Donald or Ramsey or uh Cooper Cup or Robert Woods or their quarterback, like that's a they're probably not gonna win the Super Bowl. Whereas with Kansas City, it's like a if they lose their quarterback, right? Like that to me is like really the only variable that changes their their likelihood to win the Super Bowl by all that much. And the same thing with Green Bay. So like that was really every every other team it was like. You know, you, you insert uncertainty into your simulations and it's like, oh, well, none of these prices really have all that much value. A- and, you know, some of the other teams that are a little weaker might might pick up some. But are you really going to bet the Jets to win the Super Bowl? No, like, no, you know, so maybe Ruf- Rufus yeah, might I, I, sure.
1: I like that 20 weeks deep here, still making fun of that. Right, let's, I, I do uh, have I do have some Rams, but you know, obviously the the position they were in when I, I that was a mid season, like Rams to win the NFC. I have a little when when I think when we bet this, I think the reason and I looked at the dates. The reason we did this is when we were talking MVP. I have some Chiefs, and it was basically like a Dutch. Like I said, we're gonna take half the stake and go Chiefs. We're gonna go half the stake and go Mahomes MVP, which was yeah. looking good for a little while. Thanks Aaron. But so I, I have some chiefs to win it all. And I think it's uh, some dead Rams money as well.
3: That's Dutch. Huh? I was like thinking, wait, that sounds like Asian too. You know, Asian yeah, it's, it's, it's long, Asian handicap
1: it. with the player in the team.
3: Yeah. But
1: that's, uh,
3: Eric, I think that was a really, really interesting point you made about the fragility being, you know, one person rather than a group of people.
2: Yeah. I think that's been like a huge part of this, a part of this whole season, right? Like, I mean, Andy Reid and Mahomes make it to the stadium. The Chiefs are favorites in every single game, you know, Um, no matter really, no matter what it, whereas, you know, even even like the Ravens, who I think the world of like there is a lot like there's a lot of stuff that could derail them, you know, even even if Lamar is healthy. Um, So, you know, and Buffalo, maybe a little bit less. I think Allen's, you know, earned that like status as like kind of a as the big bet you make um, on that team. but. But even then, like we don't have all that much data on him being as brilliant as he's been over the past couple of months.
0: Let's. Uh, I'm going to move us on to some some of the games we've got coming up. We could talk about fragility and and how it's going to impact teams' we'll futures and whatnot all day long. Um, but the first one we've got is the LA Rams at the Packers. Two teams that we've just been talking about a, a little bit. Um, I think this one was was late to the board and it's kind of been off a bit because of injuries and whatnot and i think eric you mentioned a few um, players there that we'll, we'll probably talk about in a little bit as well um but it's it's minus seven on on green bay it's still there the total was put up at um, 56 and a half it's come down to 45 and a half the rams obviously surprised a few people and whether that's well it's probably a mixture of a, a good defense and the seahawks offense kind of continue in that that really poor decline that we've we've seen over the sort of tail end of the season or the second half of the season um questions over wolford goff we had both um end of the game now i think goff is kind of still kind of cobbled together i don't really know what's going on there he's going to play i think there's issues maybe with aaron donald and, and cooper cup i don't know what the the kind of status is on those guys as well but it kind of boils down to a, a good defense trying to trying to limit limit a, a really good offense. Um, minus seven might might be a bit of a big on Green Bay, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to tempt a lot of people. And maybe for someone who's who's got them in the outrights, Eric, I'll, I'll come to you first and see what you think about this matchup and, and where the line is.
2: Yeah, I you know this is one where um, I if you can assume some level of health out of Goff, I think the Rams are probably the right side. Um, but because you probably can't, and given the the weather in Green Bay, um, it is probably not conducive necessarily to a quarterback throwing with a broken thumb. Um, the fact that, you know, the Packers have, we talked about home field advantage last week, but like the Packers have a week off. Uh, they have, you know, the, the a lot of Rams players, including Aaron Donald, coming off of injuries last week. Um, like, to me, I think this prob this number is probably okay. Uh, I don't. I don't think I. I bet either side of it. Um, given, you know, again, like I said, I think most most models would probably have the Rams have value here. But Green Bay, um, you know, has a lot of like sort of like edge case advantages here.
0: And Andy, someone that's that's on the Ram side in terms of your futures, what what do you think on this one?
1: Yeah, they're dead. This is this is bad. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we we were just trying to guess on some of these lines and like last week we said probably the other side of seven seven and a half eight we thought we'd see for a number especially with the injuries this is one of those you know the classic NFL you're not going to find out on these injuries like Aaron Donald's fine and then you actually look up what his injury is and and it tells a normal person to take like six weeks off of work. Like literally torn cartilage away from the ribs. They're gonna shoot his chest just up. Inject him. And, just inject him. Yeah, it. just let him play. So some of these injuries, like some of these injuries, are very important in this game. And at the end of the game, especially, we didn't know the status of Golf. We didn't know the status of Cup. We didn't know the status of Donald. Um, wasn't wasn't there one? Even even Acres, I think, was dinged up a little towards towards yep. the end of the game. Said so, like if if like one or two of these guys doesn't go, like seven and a half might be value because. There's some issues here. Obviously, I don't think Wolford has a shot to play based on just how bad that neck thing looked. Maybe, maybe he's feeling much better now. But that was a that was a very goofy game. I'm glad the Rams got it done. I'd like to see the Seahawks lose, but uh, yeah, if I just went like raw numbers, I'd say bet the Rams. But uh, I, I don't, I don't think I can make a case for a team where we might get to game time and realize, oh, guess what, Aaron Donald all week said he's gonna play, and then they're gonna. Realize he's going to be in a snap count. He's one out of three plays out there on defense. You know, Cup isn't running as many routes as we thought, and Goff's thumb is you know just one again. It was like twelve days ago he had an, uh, yeah. a surgery. Yeah. It'll be it'll be like three weeks essentially since he had surgery on that thumb. He didn't look like he was gripping it well at times. There are a few throws that floated. So, well, I think it, it's it's, a, it's I not think a great defense, but at the same time, I worry about putting too much money on a guy with a. A thumb that looks like that. So I, I make this number pretty fair, I guess. It's it's dipped below seven at some places. Yep.
3: Yeah, It looks like a minus six point seven five, basically.
1: But I, <laughs> I like that we're going to the uh, uh, right, right, <laughs> Um I,
3: Okay, so I, I kind of agree with what you guys are saying on the injuries. I mean, there's there's a like, and, and my number is close enough to the market. I have it at minus six point three that, that I'm I'm going to pass. But it is interesting to me how Seattle played or how LA played last week when Donald was out and the pressure they were still able to get. I think that is a difference that you see from this LA team and LA teams um, in previous seasons where, you know, I thought, I thought losing Wade Phillips would be a downgrade and and the job Staley's done has been like amazing. And so um, you have Ramsey locked up. You think they'll, Eric, you probably know better than I do. Will they they put, um, will they put Ramsey on Devontae Adams all game?
2: Yeah, he, he wasn't over Metcalf as much as you think. Like we were actually, you know, helping uh, the Fox broadcast with that that actual very thing the other day, and it was more like sixty percent of the time he was over Metcalf. So I, I would, I don't think it's going to be like one hundred percent of the time. But that being said, Green Bay doesn't have a secondary receiver like Lockett to where you actually have to care all that much. So um, it'll be interesting. To your point, Rufus, the the Rams do such a good job; they build from the back to the front. So even though Donald is amazing, like he's not their first priority as far as defense is concerned. Their first priority is to work on coverage. And then they sort of trust the 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 upfront players to make plays. And to their credit, uh, they did the other day, even with without Donald being in there. So, um, I yeah, I do think we'll, we'll see some sort of shadowing. It'll be, probably be the best individual matchup of the whole weekend. Um, but I don't know if it'll be 100 percent of the time. And is that a do you think that's a good
3: matchup for Ramsey in the sense that like Devontae Adams is not a guy with breakaway speed. Um he's he's a great route runner. And it's I mean, I did see it seemed like Metcalf, I mean, he 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 got by Ramsey. There's one play where uh he was open and Wilson didn't complete the pass, but but um I mean Ramsey's not I mean, what is he, like a four, four five, four four guy?
2: Yeah, Ramsey's not like uh Ramsey's not the most well, he's athletic, obviously, but he's not like the – I think he's more of like the the um, the instinctual type player, which I think works well against a player. Metcalf's obviously good at a lot of things, but I think he's more of a physical specimen than he is a tactician the way that Adams right. is. So maybe Adams will match up a little. I mean, Adams has sort of been like matchup proof for like two years now. So we'll, have, we'll see. Like maybe And maybe the Rams punt on that. I know Belichick over the years used to put – you know, guys like Logan Ryan over Julio Jones in the Super Bowl and, like, double-team him and then play their best corner on, you know, the secondary receiver and sort of try to knock out both at one time. Um, Maybe maybe the Rams throw everybody for a loop and do that and put, like, Darius Williams over Adams and then play a safety over the top and then have Ramsey shut down whoever Green Bay thinks is the secondary target. Are
1: we going to have to break down a Ramsey over MVS breakdown then, I suppose? I would be yeah. Well, which,
2: uh, if you can eliminate, I
1: mean, but the scheme, the scheme, I think is the big difference between you talk about uh, the Seattle having the secondary receiver. I think Green Bay's passing scheme is going to be to their advantage. If you wanted, if you're comparing offenses, there, you know, it sucks that you don't have your secondary receiver there. But I feel like they just it's a smarter scheme, better sequencing at times, and hopefully they're not uh, just forcing some of the run. It, like Seattle just looks stupid at times. Yeah. It looked like they, they should be able to beat they should be able to beat this defense at times and they just looked like they, they wanted no part of it. So Wait, that, uh, are we not
3: giving the Rams credit for that? I mean how no, I, I
1: want to give them a lot how of credit. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd was was
3: that bad. What was he like ten for twenty-seven passing? Like when is it, you know, and you can argue that they should have thrown the ball more and I agree and and, and that Wilson always takes a bunch of sacks, which is true, but I mean I think you got to give the Rams a lot of credit there, and it'll be very interesting to see what they scheme up against
1: Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's why I hated Seattle's scheme. It felt like, in what world should should Wilson be holding the ball this long? We're taking, ball yeah, well. we're taking these always. nine yard sacks all the time. Like, this is not the team to do this against. What are you guys doing? But
3: that's what Wilson is. Like, he's someone yes. who prolongs plays. Like, I don't think he's the quarterback that you have doing three step drops and, and you know, like, yeah, he, he he's best when he's sort of playing outside the confines of the normal offense,
2: right? Well, the, yeah, I mean- that, that, but I think like the thing that Seattle has failed at is making the the gimme plays positive EV anymore, right? So before it was like run, run, pray that Russell Wilson makes great plays in third down, and he does it enough where like they do fine. Um, and then in the beginning of the year, it was throw, throw, make sure that, you know, give Russell Wilson a chance on third down. And it, interestingly, they had some noise there, but the early down throws were really efficient and their offense was humming. Yeah. They, I, you know, obviously, you know, Andy was saying like, okay, there's the worst thing that could ever happen to Tomlin was to punt and have it be, you know, positive reinforcement. The worst thing that happened to the Seahawks in my estimation was going seven and one down the stretch, despite sort of bleeding efficiency from their offense, um, you know, because again, like to me, it's it's never about the, the, the off script plays for Wilson. It's about making sure the on script plays have some efficiency. And unfortunately, I think Seattle sort of like always gravitates towards the inefficient on, on script plays.
0: I think it's it's quite interesting that last week we we talked a little bit about Sean McVay and kind of the the genius running out towards the end of the season and and obviously I think he was quite influential in in getting the job done against the Seahawks. Is that do you kind of begin to consider or kind of think more about that and and how maybe he's not a, a bad a playoff coach or late season coach that people might think?
2: Yeah. I think I think he he deserves a great deal of credit for this season in general. Um, I don't know if I'd put the the offense on him this last week more than just you know he had they had some great individual performances by Cam Acres, um, and you know some some luck. Obviously, they had an interception return for a touchdown. there. screen
1: on a screen. Yeah, they, Eric.
2: They had a, they had a punt oh, right that turned that game from a ten point game to a seventeen point game. Um, So, like, I think McVeigh, yeah, McVeigh, at worst, is is earning like a neutral, you know, playoff grade for me. I would say, but like, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know if I'm, I'm like all that impressed with that game specifically. But he didn't, he didn't like play so poorly that they got shut down, which is of course good.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our next one, and we've got next on the list is uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills, and a minimal movement on this. The total was up at. Fifty or is that fifty? Sorry, it opened at forty-nine. Um, Buffalo, the favourites, minus two and a half, and the betters are they're pretty much splitting them straight down the middle at the moment. Um, a lot of what we talked about last last week with with Baltimore specifically was the 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 way they have played this season or the way they've been forced to play this season was kind of a, a bit different to what we saw last year. and the the Lamar run game, and obviously we had one pretty impressive play that, that put that to bed a little bit um, and we saw the the Lamar playoff narr- narrative also disappear um, Bills I think will probably disappoint a lot of betters. Um, got the win didn't get the cover I think it's going to be interesting this week in terms of the activity on the market to see if people turn against them quickly after a, a really good season as a whole and, and certainly end to the season as well um, it's going to be close here it it could maybe get to the three, it could maybe go completely the other way to the to the Ravens. But what do you think, Rufus?
3: So I, I lean Baltimore here. Um this is an interesting one in that that using Massey Peabody with a prior makes the game buff well and, and well first off then I have to figure out what I'm doing for home field advantage here. Buffalo's gonna have some fans in the stands. Um so I, I actually am giving them what would be sort of sixty percent of the normal home field advantage in this you know, with the, this, you know, with the geography, et cetera, et cetera, with all the other stuff I include in there. Um, and the unfamiliarity as in this particular case, um, but, but I, I would make it my Buffalo minus two tenths of a point. So basically pick them um, with the prior cause that, that beats Baltimore, but, but on the, based on this season alone, I only have it, I have a Buffalo minus 1.9. So um, regardless, I'm directionally the same. It just, I mean, it would need to get to three to really take the side there. But I think um, teasing, I mean, it's obviously the, the you know, um, basic strategy, Long teaser uh, lag is fantastic there. If, if you have something to tease with.
0: And Andy, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, I do have an open teaser. This might be it. Two, two and a half feels pretty good. Total's a little high for that sort of thing, but I think this total's a little high anyway. Um, and totals are just high. Like, if you still want to play Wong teasers, you're not going to get totals at 40 anymore. There are a few and far between this year. Um, I lean Baltimore as well. I, I This is another one. When we said, what, what should these lines be? I said this would be a pick. I thought this would be a lot closer. I guess there's not a ton of, you know, some of these people are hanging a real juicy one or a two. It's not like there's some huge value on the one and the two. It's not that far off. Uh, it is the third straight road game for Baltimore. You can take away the, I mean, week 17 was Cincinnati. It, it was a, a cake game. They won, I think they only gave up three points. That's not a huge travel spot. None of these are like, you're not going to the West Coast. You're not going out to you know, Denver or any for these games. It's Cincinnati, Tennessee, Buffalo, but it's still another road game. There's a little signal there. But if you go look at those, some of those signals, and my podcast partner, Drew, pointed out, like if you take the small sample size of teams that have had to do a third straight road game, there's some nasty ones in there where it's like the Chargers popping across to a few teams and then their third game was like two New England. You know, that's much different than Baltimore to Buffalo, especially when you know week 17 was just a it wasn't a formality. They needed that win over Cincy, but uh, you know, even so even with all that, I I probably see some value in Baltimore here and I will obviously be cheering for Baltimore for Calcutta reasons. I think we can. Uh, true, true was true is true in a bad place when it was 10 nothing. Is, is that your team? Do you, wait? Do you have the Ravens for the Calcutta? Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh that was when it was 10 nothing, there you, you get the DM for the text saying at what point did we cheer for this team to lose by the most? I'm like, come on. It's, wow. <laughs> like we, you know, the halftime shows, if they would have been down 10 nothing and half, there would not have been a halftime show. Have been just, just canceled canceled until morale improves.
0: And I, I think we could be on for a full house here, Eric. I know I know you like Baltimore. Is do you like them enough? for Two and a half. I
2: I actually this is one I disagree with everybody on. I guess I I like Buffalo here. I my the reasons I like the Ravens are almost all reflected in the reasons I like Buffalo. In that both teams use all four downs. Both teams are you know very smart analytically very good franchises buffalo i think has a little bit more of a sustainable way of winning on offense which is throwing the football to really good receivers and while i think the ravens have a good defense i i don't think that they're perfect there i don't think that they're a great pass rush um and Buffalo's defense does a really good job and they did it against Indianapolis of enticing teams to run the football, being enough of a speed bump, getting teams into late downs. And to Philip Rivers credit, he converted a lot of them last week. But if you look at, you know, the way in which, you know, obviously Baltimore wants to win, it's it's running the football on early downs, avoiding third down. And I think Buffalo's good enough on defense to force enough third downs where Lamar Jackson you know some of his deficiencies throwing the football are, are highlighted a little bit, and so um, this is one where I disagree. But I, you know, obviously I think both of these teams are great. I wouldn't be surprised if either team won, but I I'm going to lean a little bit. I well, I, I like Buffalo minus whatever it is. You know, it was one and a half one time and minus two and a half. I I think it, I make it more like three and a half.
0: All right, then well, let's uh, let's get on to our next one: Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs, and. We're into the divisional round with a double-digit handicap, thanks to the, the Browns and their defence and a, a weird first quarter against Pittsburgh. Um, it is 10.5 on the Chiefs, uh, a, a really hefty total as well at 56. Um, a lot of people are going to say the Chiefs will win, that they won't cover. Does anyone think that won't be the case, or does, does anyone want to be brave and, and maybe make a case for the Browns? What, what are we thinking on this one?
1: the the question is like and i i'm asking everyone like how much how much value can you place on their home field plus the buy because this is the same line you could get with atlanta like what 3 4 weeks ago like it's the same line as the falcons is that what we're saying like that's where it just there there is a premium but there should be a premium on a team that just scored that many points as well you'd think so yeah uh, but I'm the a falcons crazy. They got five turnovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, but I feel like there's a there's – But
3: Atlanta – is Atlanta –
2: yeah. Are the Falcons worse than the Browns is a really good question because the the Falcons, I think, had a better point differential this year than the Browns did. Yeah.
3: yeah. You know,
2: and not, and again, I'm not saying uh, – like Baker Mayfield since week seven has been the third highest-graded quarterback in our system. So, like, I – you know, I'm more of a believer than most – but, you know, Atlanta was outscored by their opponents by about a point per game this year, and that was – a lot of that was losing the final week by 17 points, um, whereas Cleveland, I think, was the um, – Cleveland was similar um, in the regular season this year, uh, just to sort of look that up. And Cleveland was an
1: – And had a negative point differential
2: still. When they, were they, were like they were minus 11. They yeah, were was- minus 11 point differential, despite the fact – that they won, you know, a bunch of their games after what the you know, the week seven I was talking about. So, the, to me, like, to me, I think that that's an apt comparison. Um, the the thing that I I have a hard time shaking in this game, and part of it's probably because I you know I've watched Kansas City for a long time, but like the Browns' defense was almost no resistance for for Pittsburgh last week. Even the interceptions that were made and the plays that were made were almost all Pittsburgh errors. As opposed to brilliance by Cleveland, if that's the case on Sunday, I I I really wonder about Cleveland's viability in the game, you know, long term.
1: That's where I think I might be looking more at a total. Like we talked, and it just I almost completely convinced myself it's just way too many points. And the more I think about it, is there? I don't think there's some scenario here where this is just some low-scoring game, and that's why they stay in it. I think if, if, if Cleveland is covering or near covering, they score. They score on this defense. Baker, you know, I'm with you there. I was not – in the middle of the season, I'd have been like, yeah, Browns, Falcons, pretty close. But I, I have been impressed with just what we've done on the offense, what Stefanski's done. Uh, Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt did last week, I guess. But what we've seen from the offense latter parts of the season, and, yeah, the defense did kind of stink at times, even though you saw them up 28-0 or whatnot. It's, it was – Tipped passes. It was Ben throwing a couple really horror, you know, just horrific balls right at some people. I mean, just absolute gifts. So uh, I don't, I don't think you see that from a home. So I, I might have talked myself into it over. The more I thought about this game, well, I think you'd you'd have people out there. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, fifty-six is huge. But
3: what I want to know is, is this the kind of game where Andy Reid is going to? Do you know, is he's is gonna put out the A game plan or is he gonna start, you know throw out the like D minus one where, mm-hmm. where uh you know, do what he's gotta do to get by.
0: Okay, we'll go on for another week and you now that they got the yeah. Browns. Not the Steelers. I, I, yeah. I,
2: I think I think having fallen behind twenty-four-nothing to Houston last year in the first round, the other thing is every single playoff game last year, they were three and out on their first drive. I think look, I, I don't know. I mean I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But if I were coaching Kansas City, my focus over the bye would be getting off to a big start.
3: I think he should. I think what you're going to see is
2: Andy Reid hire
3: Adam Gase to be his first quarter <laughs> Didn't the Jets score on like every? Didn't they, they score on every on their first possession every single game the first like 16 week or 15 weeks of the season or something like that? Yes, Did you all know that. I, I, I saw that during a Jets telecast.
0: I don't think everyone pays as much attention to the Jets as, as you do Rufus. The actually it wasn't the
3: Jets; it was it was Red Zone.
0: Um, I, I think Andy raised a, an interesting point there when you look at the the points that, that Cleveland put on the board, and then to to Rufus's point as well, you got to look into to how those points came about. I guess, and this is probably the best game to think about it when we when we talk about overreactions to to one game and the fact that it's going to be more prevalent in the playoffs do you think that's something that can potentially be taken advantage of? Or are we still in a situation where the market is, is efficient enough and as much as people might overreact to the Browns, it's still going to even itself out. How do you, how do you approach that?
2: Well, I, I think that the, I don't think anybody's overreacting to the Browns though, right? Like I guess I wasn't looking at all the marketplaces, but like when, when this game first opened, it was seven and a half, right? And then it got bet up to 10. So I feel like people are are sufficiently skeptical of Cleveland, you know, and and um, d- does that mean that maybe there's some value on them? I don't know. I again, this is this is this one's tough for me. Even as like a Kansas City fan, I don't think I'm going to bet this game. Uh,
0: and Rufus, what you mentioned the the Andy Reid A game. What what does the Andy Reid A game look like? Does it look like a, a cover at ten and a half? Does it look like a complete blowout at sort of twenty plus points? What what are we talking?
3: I mean, I think the Andy Reid game is a cover. At ten. Like the if, if he brings his A game, it's a cover at, at ten. I mean, I, so I'm, I make the number ten point eight using priors. If I just go with the in season number without priors, it's it's uh, seven and a half based on how the teams have played that se- this season. But at the same time, without a prior, I'm also not getting sort of the extreme. Um, I, I'm not getting
2: uh, enough dispersion in my ratings. Um, so, I mean, the Chiefs haven't played a high leverage football game since week three three with the Ravens, Ravens maybe the Bills game on that Monday night, which was like week seven or something like that. like we just it's tough this is where I think football being a small sample game is so immense, right because I gravitate towards the idea that last year in the playoffs they had 10 point deficits in every game and won every game by 10 or more. But then I look at this season and I want I try to take from it, okay, they had a really tough schedule and they won all but one of their games really but they didn't cover you know what is ultimately like an arbitrary number which is the point spread um, you know in their last eight games like they were 07 and 1 against the number the last eight games so how do you i think this is where this is why modeling is so important right because you need to you need to be able because i i don't necessarily know if like we're able to spin all the variables the proper way in our own brains here well and and i think if you look at
3: the chiefs this year and how they've actually played like I think my no prior number is higher without, yeah, no prior number um, is higher for the bills than it is for the chiefs this year. Yeah. Well, it's higher for the Packers than, than it is for the chiefs and it's higher for the saints. So, so they haven't, I mean, they've been winning, but they haven't been doing it in a way that sort of comes across in my numbers, which I think largely, I mean, it may be, they've been doing well uh, on higher leverage plays. Um, I mean, they've been winning closer games. Um They've been doing well on third down. It, it does seem like, though, they have a gear they can kick into when when they yeah. need to, and that the case for these other teams.
1: Yeah. And and the cover streak, you know, it, it deserves some con. The non cover streak deserves some context. Like two teams that are still in this playoffs in in the Saints and the Buccaneers, they covered versus those teams essentially. Yeah. Like those were yeah. those got those got backdoored by. They weren't completely meaningless touchdowns, but Low, you know, low leverage touchdowns to get insider onto the number against two teams that are left in the final eight. And both of those games were on the road, I believe. So, I mean, it yeah, covers a lot of variants far- at the end of the
3: game. The que-
1: I mean, the question so, so I
3: de weight, like, so I've, I've predictive weights for each play based on, you know, so it, it de weights the lower leverage garbage time plays um in a, in a continuous function. But at the same time, I feel like. There's certain case, certain teams maybe where you want to deweight a little more, and others where you might want to deweight a little less. And it seems like in this particular case, I mean, the, the Chiefs are a team that that I think maybe on the side where, um, based on the situation, you you want to sort of uh, deweight this a little less and maybe weight the more important plays a little more. I mean, this is just me talking out my ass right now, though. <laughs>
0: Right, let's uh let's get on to our final game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints, and again, I mean, it goes without saying, it's another good matchup, uh, another close one according to the market. Um, we've had a little bit of movement on New Orleans initially. They they opened up at minus three and a half. They're down to down to the three, um, and the the total's also been pushed up fifty to fifty two. It's going to be billed as as Brady against Breeze. Um, we know there's going to be much more to it than that, and. I think I guess the, the Tampa Bay sort of narrative or story is that they've been playing better, a good performance from them at the weekend. Saints have, have got all their pieces back together and, and really kind of fully fit. Not I mean they, they covered pretty easily against the Bears, but it, it didn't seem all too convincing or maybe as convincing as, as people would have hoped. Um but one I guess for for Rufus to to kick us off here, liability in the outright. It, it, what is it, just straight up money line? So first off, I want to
3: know is this has to be the game with the, the oldest combined, like, age of <laughs> quarterbacks.
2: I, I, I'm sure with, Eric knows. Someone,
1: someone will tweet this. There'll be, like, a YA tittle versus, you know, like, yeah. Bobby Lane game. Like Warren,
2: Warren Moon never played in the playoffs after, like, age 38. So you're probably right. Like, that's the one that comes to my mind as old quarterbacks. Um But, yeah, this one's th- this one's the oldest, I would assume.
3: Besides Brady Reese, have there been – has, have there been any other games where both quarterbacks are over 40? I feel like it's got to be so rare.
2: Yeah. Well, because Favre versus Breeze was 10 years ago, right? And Barb was like in the 30s, you know, was in his 40s. But Breeze was obviously 10 years younger. Yeah, exactly. so. so, yeah, this one's – this one's. well, yeah, and Manning wasn't that old when he retired. So, any matchup he had with Brady at the end there was probably nowhere close to this. Yeah.
0: We've gone from okay, so, fragility of futures to combined age of
1: quarterbacks in, in one podcast. So, <laughs> I'm looking at George Blanda games right now, you guys.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so this game, I feel like, is if you just grade the talent on the two teams, I think Tampa Bay is should be the side. But I, I think that New Orleans lapsed them a little bit on things like coaching and depth and then that kind of thing like that to me is is where i look i i think new orleans has a really stable team like they're 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 really good they have two they have two lines on defense that they can go to hendrickson who has like 15 sacks was out against the bears and they just bring up some guy who is almost equally effective in in the first round against the bears in the secondary i think they have eight starting caliber players at linebacker they lose Quan alexander and they're fine Um, To me, or as Tampa Bay is maybe a little bit worse, like they have a little bit more weaknesses on defense. And I'm just not sure. Like, I think what's happened over the past, like, six weeks or so, Brady's been the highest graded quarterback by us. I think that it's been less of Arians and more of Brady. Does Arians, who we know in the Super Bowl between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers in 2010, like, changed his game plan fundamentally to try to get Big Ben more of a hall of fame credential. Like, does he like go rogue in this game and like turn them away from what's been working? I mean, it's a good question. Arians is
3: the guy that I think I mentioned this last week that tends to do the worst against the better teams, you know, relative to normal and do the best against the worst teams. And so that doesn't bode well uh, for them here. I was looking at new Orleans and I was kind of trying to find out why I actually have them rated so high this season. And I know play success is a big part of it, the fact that they actually are good at staying on schedule. But I found they, you know, they have um, their negative 458 penalty yard differential. Well, or should I say they have been penalized 458 more yards than their opponents. Um, That's worse than the NFL. You know, who's best in the NFL? Tampa. Tampa. Plus 301. That's seven. That's over. That's 759. My math's right. 759 yards in penalties that separate these two teams. That's a lot. And I think, you know, you can argue that some of that is skill. Um, But the majority of that is going to be is is going to be, I should say, not predictive. I don't. So it's not luck, but it just isn't really that predictive going forward.
2: Um, At the beginning of the season, it was almost half that number was in the first like three, four games of the year. Right. And they were everybody was wondering what was so wrong about them. And I think you were leading the charge and saying, well, nothing like if they get better calls from the referees. Then we're probably or, or they get like the league average calls from the referees. You're probably fine, and that's really what materialized. You know, right. they, since the beginning of the season, they they lost a game where Taysom Hill was playing, and they lost a game to Kansas City in the first game Breeze returned. But other than that, they've they not only won a lot of games, but they covered a lot of games. And yeah. they, you know they're they're a very impressive football team. I think I think the betting markets are down on them because they're not as flashy. Like they're, they're, they're hard to watch on offense, but they're not, that doesn't make them ineffective. Yeah. So, so on defense, the first seven weeks of the season, they gave up
3: a success rate of 46% on first, on first and second down. Um, Since then, 46.3%. That's basically been the same, but on third down, the first seven weeks of the season, they were giving up a 53% success rate on third and fourth down. I should say that's been 31% since. So that has been sort of, they were, they were very, unfortunate on on sort of these higher leverage downs early in the season and that has since um, gone the other direction and, and been much more in line with with the defense they are
1: do you think the first two matchups shade this number at all we were discussing that earlier like which way I, that that's what I'm saying like d- according to my numbers I don't really think so but do you think they shade it at all especially one being just such a I mean, it was a trouncing, but it was an odd game. When somebody trounces someone so early in a game, it just, the whole rest of the script is thrown. like, that game's hard to use.
3: It's like Cleveland Pittsburgh almost.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, like, how do, how do you evaluate the, the game? We're,
3: yeah. I don't know. So I actually just queried yesterday. I was curious, um, and this could be wrong. I was just, um, but, but just in my database, like, teams that have, won twice in the regular season and, and met in the playoffs and they went six and four, uh, in the playoffs. And I, I was looked I was like, Oh, well, you know, what was, what was the average spread? The average spread, they were like a, only a two and a half point favorite on average. Um, yeah, I might've, I might've, you know, I just was command line querying. I might've missed mistyped. Um, but not, not a lot of sample to go off of there. So, yeah,
1: you know, that, that's a fun one for the media, though. It's hard to beat a team three times, Rufus. I think it's hard to beat a t- team, uh, cool,
2: team that, once. <laughs> I, I think I think the thing that should be really, like, we should normalize saying it's hard to beat a team once. Like, at all. Well, like yeah, I like the, that. I like that. That should hard be the, the model. Yeah, it's hard to win a playoff game in the NFL. It's probably the best way to say it. Sure. Right, so we've, we've so, got Eric's
0: we- into to Tampa Bay on the last game rufus seemingly to towards the saints andy you can you can close us out which which side would you be taking on this one or or have you taken a side
1: i wanted to lean tampa but i need to look a little more at uh i have been impressed this was something i railed on all season early season was and rufus's numbers are fleshing that out i was just so mad at how good i felt that uh, new orleans defense could be not like a great defense, not some top three defense, but they could be a good defense. And it's just the numbers weren't there. It was never there. The results were never there. So the fact that they have played up, I don't know the, if the, you know they brought quan in at one point, but it's not like it's not like they made massive changes. It's just I don't know if it was bad variance on third downs or who they played or just some of the play calling. So uh, I'm pretty much on market with this one. I wanted to lean Tampa early, but I'm looking at some matchups. Uh, I'm just hoping this one's good because I
2: I think what's cool about the playoffs this year is if, if chalk holds for Kansas city and green Bay, both championship games will be really good because I think whoever comes out of Baltimore Buffalo will be a good side. And I think whoever comes out of this game will be a good side. So that, that to me is a, a real fun development. Unlike like last year, like Chiefs Titans, come on like that. And, and even like, I feel like the Packers were not up to the task against San Francisco. Whereas I think, I don't know. What do, what do you guys, what would you guys make the spread Kansas city against uh, either Buffalo or Baltimore? Ew. What would you,
3: what are
2: you using for home field there? That's the real question.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's still no one. fan. No fans in oh, yeah. KC ever, right?
2: No, no. Kansas City's had 10,000 or so fans every game this year. Yeah. So I, oh, really? I make it like what, what one, one, one and a half. You make more, it, or, or you make home field advantage one or one and a half. One or one or one and a half, I would say, if fans are there. But like, again, it, we're all just sort of. We're guessing.
3: Yeah. We're guessing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I did 1.52 this week. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I. I would, hmm, I think we're inflated on Kansas City, but I think against either team, I'd probably make it four and a half.
1: I'm just gonna, and again, like I don't have a big difference between, like I said, I think Baltimore Buffalo should be more close close to a pick. So, yeah, I'm I'm about at four for bo- looking at just where I rank these teams in general. And See, yeah, if you hard. give if you give them a point, I guess. So I have I have Kansas City. Yeah, like 3.6 better than Buffalo. And Baltimore's right there, too. So, uh, either way, uh, and you're right, either way, it should be a pretty good game. And if we get Green Bay against uh, essentially whichever way that NFC South game goes, it should be a good game there, too. Yep. We just can't have the Rams or Browns do something.
0: Right. Let's uh, let's call it a day there. The, the games are dwindling, but we still managed to, to run over an hour. Um, will obviously be back next week to, to talk more football when we get onto those those games. But Eric, Andy and Rufus, thank you very much for joining me again. And, and thank you to everyone for listening. All of the odds are available on Pinnacle.com. Good luck with your bets and remember to please gamble responsibly.